All right, our last session. Here we are. Sun is shining. As you guys were singing, I stepped outside and I watched the sun uh, flicker and glitter on the water. And I thought, wow, all my life you have been faithful. And it's just, just a glorious, don't, don't miss out before you leave, just walking along Spider Lake or if you haven't done the prayer walk, make sure to do that. It's just a glorious, glorious day. And uh, don't miss out on that. So it's our last session. It sure went by pretty fast, didn't it? And always like, oh, we're here already, we're here already. And so um, we're going to dig in, and uh, I just uh, need to give this over to the Lord and ask him to speak, uh, because I'm listening. So Lord Jesus, I uh, humbly come to you this morning, and I thank you that um, you are our good, good shepherd, and we are your sheep, of your pasture, that you're the gate and that we go in and out and you give us safe pasture. But I don't know where every single woman is this morning, but you do. And I'm asking that um, not one of these women leave and walk out the doors today without being somehow changed by the goodness of the good, good shepherd. Maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a, an old way they were brought up. Maybe they have the wrong conception of you, a misconception of you, God. Continue to go after them in your word. My words don't change people, your words do. Your words change me and they continue to change me. So I'm asking that you would have us be still and listen and respond. Not think about all the things that'll have to go on when we arrive home, but that we would listen to you intently. Just, just the Good Shepherd and me. Just the Good Shepherd and you. Or make it like there's no one else around and that the Holy Spirit would take, in general, what I'm saying, and I saw it last night time and time again, where you took it specifically to the deepest, deepest part of people, because Holy Spirit, you know them in and out. You know them more than they do. You know me more than I do. And so, Lord, I ask that you take the truth and grace and just go after us this morning. Help us to walk out of here as your sheep, with your character, with your conviction, with your confidence, and with your compassion. And may, when we walk through the doors, may people see there's a change in us, somehow, some way. And we can just say, oh, that's because of the good, good shepherd. So, Lord, we are asking that you would speak to us because we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so we know that we are his sheep. We know that, okay? But only his sheep hear his voice. So once again, read this with me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27. One more time. Ready? 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 Okay, let's go. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27. Excellent. Last night, uh, we talked about how we know that we are his sheep, okay? Remember Becky's testimony throughout the weekend. Okay, she thought she was his sheep. Remember, she thought that. She thought he was his sheep, okay? Remember Herb had asked Herb the little sheep, right? I love that. Herb had asked her to church, okay, as Herb was one of his sheep, and then she came to the realization that she only had a religion, okay, just like Sam did last night, okay, that she only had a religion instead of a relationship, okay? And so she asked Jesus, the good shepherd then, to come and to live in her and to take over her life, right, because she wanted to be one of his sheep and to follow him. And then 
Enter Dave Glazewski, right? Okay, so Dave thought he was one of his sheep, remember? And Becky um, then asked him to come to church and then shared her life with him. And at Becky and her daughter's baptism and her daughter's faith statement, it caused Dave to go, mm, I'm not like this. I think I'm another sheep. I'm not like this. And so Dave then responded and became one of his sheep because of the good shepherd, okay, and came into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And so remember Becky's last words, which she said, our shepherd saved us, we hear his voice, and we follow hard after him. We follow hard after him. Shepherds lead, sheep follow. God can't lead you until you commit your life to follow him. Read that with me. Shepherds lead, sheep follow. God can't lead you until you commit your life to follow him. Until you commit your life to follow him. He can't do that for you. He draws you, he draws you all the time in his loving kindness. Come on, little sheep. Come on, come on over here. Why don't you be my sheep? Why don't you follow hard? Why don't you follow hard? He can't do that for you. He'll draw you, but you have to make the decision to follow hard to follow hard. So let's look today at how Jesus compared his sheep to the other sheep in John 10, okay? Because Jesus is speaking plainly to the religious leaders here about their condition. And he's basically saying, um, whose sheep are you? I mean, like, who do you follow? So let's, let's look at the scripture. John 10, 26 through 29. But you do not believe because you are not one of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So let's just study this a little bit, okay? The religious leaders wanted Jesus to speak plainly to them. <laughs> Is that so good? And he spoke more plainly than they wanted him to do. Does that ever happen to you? Lord, you know what? I'm not understanding this. And then he's like, Margo, you got to lay that down. Do you understand? I don't want to hear that. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, I'll speak very plainly to you. So he spoke very plainly. He's like, um, more plainly than they probably wanted. Okay? He told them, uh, religious leaders, um, you're not my true sheep. Uh, you're not my true sheep. Because the good shepherd's sheep, they believe and hear my voice. And you don't. So you're not my true sheep. Now, it's not that they could not believe. They could believe. It's not that they could not believe. They just simply chose to listen to another shepherd's voice. To a false shepherd's voice. And they didn't follow Jesus, the true shepherd. See, Jesus doesn't make you believe. You know, it's not like he's thumb wrestling with you, right? And trying to win, right? It, it, that's not it. He doesn't make you believe and follow. He offers his free gift of salvation at the cross. Done it all for you, past, present, and future, all conquered on the cross. We studied Colossians. It's already done, already done, already done. All you have to do is join me. I did it for you. I want you to be with me forever, and I give you eternal life now and forever. It's a free gift. All you have to do, and you're like, oh, no, I'm, mm, mm, I think I got it in my way. I don't think that's right. That doesn't sound right. Too simple, right? I think I, think I got like, to go to church all the time. Every time the door's open, I got to be like praying. I don't think I've done enough, and I, I got it He's like, no, it's a free gift. You couldn't do it anyway. I'm Jesus, the good shepherd, son of God. I did it perfectly for you. And he says, I then give you life, eternal life, and you'll never perish. Okay? So Jesus is describing to this religious leader, he said, okay, so when you believe in me, the good shepherd, I'm the one who gives you life. And it's for eternity. Okay? So there's a lot of benefits and blessings to being my sheep to be my sheep, okay? You will have eternal life given 
by Jesus, the true shepherd. Eternal life. And eternal life begins when? Now. Not when you arrive in heaven. Not when we move to heaven. No, no. It begins now. It begins the second, like, like Sam, like Mary. The second they said, oh, you know what? I just want to I, I believe you and have a relationship and you listen. Forgive me. Eternal life. Now. We're living in eternal life now. We're just not there yet. This is just the waiting room and the practice area. Just the practice area. Becoming more and more like Jesus so we see him face to face. He's like, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, little sheep. Well done following me. Well done. Eternal life starts now. And it's greater than physical life. So many of us live for today and not for the day. And he wants us to live for the day. Now, we should not overlook, I know this is going to sound very simplistic, but listen, we should not overlook the point that eternal life does not end. It does not end. You choose this side where you want to spend your whole eternal life. It does not end. Okay, our little peanut brains, we can't even put our you know, finite mind right. Well, it doesn't end, okay, well. Okay, it doesn't end. Okay, it doesn't end. It's like forever. It goes on and on. We don't understand that yet, but we will. It doesn't end. It goes on forever and ever and ever, okay? And so physical life may be destroyed, but we who are united in faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right, who belong to the flock of the true shepherd, can never, ever, ever lose real life. Ever. Now and forever. Isn't that great? We can never, ever lose it. He is the one who keeps us secure. What does he say? He said, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand. I have you right here, and nobody can snatch you out. It's to be expected that the good shepherd would care for his sheep. And he says, look, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. I got you. I got you. You don't have to hang on. Like that cat picture we see, like hanging on. Okay, we don't need to do that. He has us. He has us. No one can snatch, snatch you out of my hand. You are safe. You are secure in the good shepherd. Not only does he say no one can snatch you out of my hand, Jesus says, but he says nobody can snatch you out of my father's hand. Nana, nana, boo, boo. Right? It's like, yeah, you think this is great, religious leaders? Well, guess what? I'm the true shepherd, and when you have eternal life in me, the good shepherd, nobody can snatch you out of, out of my hand, plus nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hand, because I'm the Father, our one, and I'm the Son of God. How great is that? How great is that? God's sheep can find safety in both the hand of Jesus Christ, who died for us, who lived for us, who's interceding for us right now at the throne, right? And one day he's going to come back and get us, or he's going to take us home, right? Hallelujah? Hallelujah. Oh, that was ha terrible. Hallelujah? Hallelujah? Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Nice job, Maddie. Excellent. Excellent. You are so welcome. What happens is, is we can live like we learned last week, or last week, last week, last night, about abundant life. We can live that abundant life. We can live that now, right? It's comforting to know that the one who created the world holds you in his hand. Oh, no, nobody can snatch him out of my hand. Nobody can snatch him out of my hand. Nobody can. So what does that build in, what does that build up in us as sheep? Confidence. Confidence. When you know that you know that nobody can snatch you out of his hand, right? It builds up confidence, okay? We learned this weekend that what happens, our character is radically and continually changed as we follow hard after him, which then leads to deeper conviction. And now he tells you, you're safe in my fold, oh, my sheep, okay? And you're in the sheep pen, not only now, but forever, and nobody's able to snatch you out of my hand or my father's hand. What? Are you worrying about? <laughs> he's got that handled, babe. Okay. <laughs> that he's got it handled. He that's in you, greater than he that's in the world. Done deal. Okay? He already has conquered him on the cross, and it's done. Okay? 
He may come and sniff around and everything, but he has no power. He has no power. Same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me. He has no power. You know who bothers you the most? You. Your flesh. Quit, quit blaming the evil one and all this stuff. He can only be at one place in one time. That's it. He's over in Iran doing something. Who cares? <laughs> right? 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 He's not bugging you all the time. All right? Quit blaming him for everything. Quit it. It's your flesh. It's your ugly, stinking flesh that you haven't yielded to the, flat, to the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why you have to have your non-negotiable face-to-face time with them every morning so you can hear from them, so you can respond to them, so your flesh won't take off. You want the Holy Spirit to grow, 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 grow. More of him, less of me. It's our flesh that trips us up every time. But not when we know who we are and follow hard after. Because you're going to hear his voice go, "Mm, this is the way to walk now. Jolene, walk this way. This is the way to walk. Now walk this way. This is the way to walk. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Walk this way, Marco. And you do. And all you do is you keep following. You just keep following. You just keep following. I tell you, see him face to face. Nothing better. Nothing better. No one or nothing. Nothing and no one can touch you inside of God's will. Nothing and no one can touch you inside of God's will, right? God's will is just do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Keeping close to him, following hard after him, following hard after him. And so our confidence gets built up. And now we confidently stand up for what we believe. Now we confidently, now we're confident, sheep following hard. Doesn't become about us. We're following hard still, but we are confident sheep because we know the good shepherd and he's not going to lead us astray and he's going to take us to the to living water and he's going to take us to the green pastures and he has this already done and all we have to do is follow hard after him even if it's costly to do so so many times we don't do the noble thing the next right thing you know why because it's painful it's costly to do so Look back at Becky's story. Her friends were telling her, oh, you should leave him. You should leave your husband. This is not good. You go, go to your mom's. Just leave. You need to get out of here. You, know, you don't deserve this treatment. Just go. It was costly for Becky to listen to the Good Shepherd. It was costly. But she heard his voice. She said, audibly, I heard him say, you will stay. He may go, but you will stay. That's costly. That's costly. She obeyed. My mom used to tell me all the time, Margo, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You'll fall for anything. Jesus absolutely set the example for us as he continued to maintain that he was the Son of God. Everywhere he walked, right, in his teaching ministry, he maintained he was the Son of God and the Savior of the world, even though he was brutally beaten and crucified. It was costly. It was costly for him. But the Bible tells us that a Roman centurion who witnessed Jesus' ordeal and seen it firsthand, he saw Jesus' courage firsthand, what did he say? Surely he must be the Son of God. Surely he must be the Son of God. And like the centurion, the onlookers of our lives are going to be impressed with our bravery, with what we're walking through. It's costly. They're going to watch you, and they're going to think, wow, look at the willingness she has to do that next right thing no matter what it is. That's a confident sheep. That's a confident sheep. Let me give you an example of my own life. People will come up to me all the time and they'll say, hey, Margaret, you've seen this movie, you've seen this movie, you've seen it, and I'm like, I am really not the person to talk to about movies, unless it's sound music, you know? I mean, or the old musicals or Disney or something, because I only watch a G movie or a PG movie. 
And I said, because, you know, I don't want to put anything else in my head. Because all the rest of the stuff, I have to do something with it. And I want to edify him and please him, and I don't want to please my flesh. And so that's what I do. And they'll look at me like, I mean, you're an adult. I mean, why don't you, I mean, you know, a PG-13. And like, it's how the Lord has convicted me, has changed my character, and I'm walking confidently in that. And you know what? If I watch Sound of Music 20 more times, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I knew all Doa Deer, let me tell you. It's confidence. I'm not making them guilty. I'm not too. I'm just sharing. This is how I walk. This is how I walk. I want to follow hard. I want to follow hard. I'm a confident sheep of his pasture. I want to, I want to please him. I don't want to please anybody else. Because you know what? When you please him, he takes care of all the rest of the stuff. If you're out to please people and this, this, you're going to rationalize and you're going right straight down. Right straight down. See, that's the way the authentic character of Jesus Christ works in us, giving us confidence. And as we grow up and grow up and grow up and grow up in Christ, as we mature, we become more and more confident sheep in the pasture. So as we hear the good shepherd's voice and follow, our character becomes more like him, our convictions grow deeper, our confidence in him soars. And we just keep doing the next right thing. And the other sheep in the pasture and out in the pasture, they start to watch you. They start to watch you. And they wonder why you are like you are. Okay? And pretty soon, they want to know what's going on with you. What is it about that confident sheep? What is that? See, they've been watching closely. Remember how your walk matches your talk, or if it doesn't. And now you have one the right, when your walk matches your talk, you've won the right to share Jesus Christ with them. You've won the right to share Jesus Christ with them. The good shepherd saved you. And how he wants to do the exact same thing for them. Not only does he save you, but he keeps you. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand now and forever. And he's come to give you abundant life as one of his sheep. That's what happens. And now... Those sheep that have been watching you, they're now respecting you. And they're respecting your beliefs. They're respecting your beliefs. Because your walk matches your talk. And now what happens is, you now have compassion toward that other watching you sheep. Your compassion starts to grow for the other sheep that are around you. Because as your character changes, your conviction grows, your confidence is built up, now your compassion is for the lost and wayward and strained sheep. It's the compassion of Christ. You begin to have the same compassion as the Good Shepherd does. And you start looking at others through his eyes of compassion. You see them as he sees them. You see them as needing the good shepherd because they're going through hurts. They're going through trials. And so you have compassion on them and, the, and you want them to know him. See, compassion is defined as sorrow for the sufferings of one another. Sorrow for the sufferings of one another. It means caring enough about others to feel their hurts to feel their hurts. These are a couple pictures when I was in uh, Jamaica on a mission trip. I was on 105.3 at the time, and I went to do a short-term mission trip. And if you look closely at this one, I'm standing down with the, the sweet little people in Jamaica, and we were there with food for the poor, and that's what they live in. It's basically a hovel. It's made of found materials. It's on the side of a hill. A blind grandma lives in there, her daughter, who's the mom to five children. As you look into it, there is a filthy double bed mattress on the floor, and then there is a hole in the ground, which she has dug with her own hands so she can cook underground. And I wept. 
And we were there to tell them how much Jesus loves them. But first we were going to build them a house. First we were going to have a house that was made of cinder, cement block that had louvered windows. Because the grandma sat straight up and slept all night that way, straight up on that bed. And the mom and five kids laid across her lap. And she kept the rats away from everybody all night. So we were able to build them a house with louvered windows and a foundation and a beautiful bright porch that they could sit on. And then what would happen is the people from all over the tribe, they would come and they would say, Whoa, you got a magic house. You got a magic house. I mean, this is what we live in. This is what, you got a magic house. And we'd stand and say, oh, no, no, no. Someone in America gave monies because they love Jesus. And they want you to know that because they love Jesus, they want you to live safely. They want you to live so you can have a bed, so you can have food, so you can have this. So they're providing for you because of Jesus. And people would come and listen all over, and then we could give the gospel message because I want that house. This isn't a magic house. Jesus gave you this house. This is from him. And by the way, you can come to know him. People would come to know him by the droves. We would do house after house after house. And we would see these people go from barely existing to abundant life. See, that's how compassion works. That's how compassion works. See, before you tell someone about Jesus, we need hearts that break for the pain of others. We need to look at others as Jesus did. We need to weep with those who weep. Jesus wept for the lost and hurting sheep. He calls us to do the same. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he referred to those tender-hearted people as blessed. As blessed. We're blessed. He looked on the crowds with compassion, needing to be fed. They need to be encouraged, right? They need to be healed. Then it's easy to say, follow me, follow me, follow me. And they will. And they will. Caring enough to feel the hurts of others makes them pay attention. It makes them pay attention because what happens is that's not normal. You're caring for me. You don't even know me. That's not normal. And so it makes them pay attention. Most people in our culture callously ignore the pain of their peers. In our haste to keep up with what I call a hectic lifestyle now, everything's so immediate. Most people in the culture live with a philosophy is every person for themselves. I have a right for this. Don't get close to my right. You can have your rights. Now get on with your life. We need to let Jesus heal that tunnel vision. Heal that tunnel vision. We need to see and feel the pain of the herding sheep around us. And like the Good Samaritan, we need to stop and get involved in helping others. That shows, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we are his sheep. And we are following him. And we are following him. It says in Deuteronomy 15, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. See, compassionate action makes others want to hear about our faith. Compassionate action makes others want to hear about our faith. What is it about you? You're different. You're a different kind of sheep than I am. What is it about you? And see, what happens is, by your compassionate action, they know they're different because they're not doing the same. This is my mom. Is she a doll? Look at my mom. Look at her. This is my sister, Marini. And many of you know her. She's been to retreat many years. And uh, there's Lucy, the dog. And so my mom, as I've mentioned numerous times, was a different kind of sheep. She was that different kind of sheep. She was that compassionate sheep. She was 
his sheep that heard his voice and followed the good shepherd closely. Everywhere she went, the compassion of Jesus Christ oozed out of her, oozed out of her. She'd have this sweet Avon lady come and sit in our house. I will never forget, she'd feed her, she'd give her drinks, she'd, you know, soft drinks and this, this, and she'd buy Avon just so she could continue to pour into her, just to pour into her. She'd share about Jesus, she'd tell her story, and the Avon lady, I'm not kidding you, we had so much Avon, Lily of the Valley, Topaz, whatever it was, it was everywhere, and my dad was like allergic to most of it. She's, she's, my mom's like, well, it is what it is, honey. We just need to share with this lady. He's like, that's fine. That's good. That's good. Um, she would write letters to prisoners. She's like, Margo, Mar they need to know. They need to know that they're loved. They need to know that they're loved. And she would write letters to prisoners. She'd write letters to Major League Baseball players, of which Paul Molitor became her very good friend. And she'd tell them her story. And she would share with him. And she walked through his, uh, his hardship time. Compassion of Jesus Christ. She wrote a letter to my mother-in-law as my mother-in-law was going in to uh, have back surgery. We read that letter to her, and that's how my mother-in-law came to know Jesus. Compassion. Compassion. She had good news clubs in our lower level all the time. Best candy bars, best popcorn, best everything, kids everywhere, you know, compassion. And then while they're laughing, while they're eating, this, this, she'd slip in Jesus. Everybody loved her. Airplanes. She'd be on airplanes, she'd be praying, Lord, put somebody that needs you right next to me, whatever it is. Put them, go ahead, put whatever, whatever, they, wherever they need it. Just let me sit by someone. How many people do that? Usually it's like, don't put me by the babies, don't put me by this, I just want to read my book, I just want to be in my Bible. Read my Bible. It's like, put me, put me somewhere where you can use me, Lord. Put me somewhere where you can use me. Hospitals. She broke her hip at my home, falling down some steps, and she said, Lord, use me. Doctors, nurses, PT, 82 years old, compassionate. Great attitude, his sheep, sharing the good news with these men and women who are taking care of her. Assisted living, at age 82, she needed to move in there because she had macular degeneration. And so that was, she couldn't see well anymore and so she moved in there. And uh, she looked at Marnie and, and myself and she says, you know what, guys, I'm so excited about this because they're gonna have to trip over me before they get the damnation. Who says that? She was looking at them with the compassion of Jesus Christ. This is where you have me. This is purposeful. This is a season of time. And I'm going to follow hard after you. Almost 15 years ago, at age 88, my mom moved to heaven, and I had the joy of preaching at her celebration service. And afterwards, people came up to me. Remember, she's 88. There had to be three to 400 people in the crowd. And people would come up to me that I had no idea who they were, and they would say things like, your mom fed me. Your mom clothed me. Your mom brought over meals when I was pregnant and I couldn't even get out of bed. Your mom took care of my children and took them to school for months at a time. Your mom taught me the word. Your mom picked up my kids and took them to church continually and that's how they came to know Jesus and then I did. Your mom paid for my rent. Your mom paid for my electric bill. She led them by her life. She had won the right to share that she was his sheep. I'm his sheep. What is it about you, Mary? Why are this? It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. 
even in this last week, remember 15 years ago she moved to heaven. This last week, my sister Mirny sent me an obituary of a woman named Barb McCann, who was my mom's prayer partner, really good friend, for years and years and years. In fact, Barb prayed for me for years, for years. And she just moved to heaven, Barb did. And she knew she was going to be moving to heaven, so she wrote the beginning of her obituary herself, <laughs> of which it says, and I can't see through my tears, said, I close my earthly journey with no regrets, and I'm so happy to be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my husband, and my dear friend, Mary Lance. Really? Who does that? Fifteen years. I'm glad she put her husband first, because that wouldn't have been good. <laughs> And I'm so glad to be with Mary Lance. Oh, and my husband. <laughs> By the way, my mom led her husband to Jesus Christ. He was an alcoholic. You guys, it's worth it. The compassion of Jesus Christ. My mom had his character. My mom had his conviction. My mom had his confidence, which then led to his compassion. because she knew she was his sheep. She had heard his voice. She followed hard after him. And others followed her right to the good shepherd. Remember all those sheep, how we always saw they just followed? Wasn't that amazing? The shepherd's just walking, all the sheep were like, I'm coming, <laughs> coming. Right. I'm right there, I'm coming. They're going over the rocks and down this, right, I'm coming. But if you notice, if you notice the different kind of sheep that people notice includes personal sacrifice. Read that. Sacrifice is costly compassion. Sacrifice is costly compassion. See, it is paying a personal price to help another sheep. It's paying a personal price to help another sheep. It could involve a financial sacrifice. It could involve the sacrifice of our time. Whatever it is, some type of sacrifice. But when we pay a price to minister to others, it stops them in their tracks and it compels them to ask, why? Why? Why are you doing this? Why would you go out of your way to help me? Why would you do this? What motivated to put my needs above your needs? You guys, it doesn't take a big sacrifice to get others to ask this question. Bill Hybels writes, in our day and age when narcissistically looking out for number one has been elevated to an art form, almost any kind of sacrifice will cause a stir. I remember when uh, we were doing a couple study in our home and uh, the kids were uh, probably, oh, I don't know, maybe fifth grade and first grade. And so they were at the pig. How many know where the pig is in Oconomowoc? Piggly Wiggly. Shop the pig. We were at the pig. And so we're walking around the pig. And um, all of a sudden, and Tori's in the cart, and Becca's helping me and everything. We're looking, and we see this man who looks very disheveled, very disheveled, quite heavy, just a T-shirt that went to here, and then you could see, like, his belly aft underneath, and then just, just disheveled. His hair hadn't been washed for a very long time. And um, I said, you guys, this guy needs help. So this guy needs help. I said, so we're going to be creepers, and we're going to follow this guy. <laughs> I said, but we have to do it well. And the kids are like, okay, this is good, this guy. So because, because we want to help him somehow. And so we, we prayed. We stopped right there, and we prayed, Lord, give us an opportunity. Give us an opportunity to run into this guy It'd be Jesus to him. And so we'd go up and down, this, 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 and then we'd see him, and we'd sort of wave, and this, this, and everything. Well, he walked through the whole place continually, and all he had in his cart was, I can't believe it's not butter tub. That's it. And he just kept walking. And I'm like, you guys, somehow, some way. And I'm like, you know, I, I'd like to give him some money. I don't know this, 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 and everything. I said, but I don't know what he would spend it on. And so God gave it. And Becca looks at me and says, Mom, get him a gift card to the pig. Oh, yeah. Get him a gift card. I'm like, brilliant, brilliant. Firstborn, brilliant kid. Okay, 
let's go. So we sneak up to the front and I'm like, okay, just give me a gift card. Like, give me a hundred dollar gift card. Okay, we want to, okay. They're like, okay, so thanks, thanks, thanks. So now we got the gift card in our pocket, right? And now we're like, okay, Lord, give us an opportunity. And so, and so I'm going to get peanut butter, which there's nothing better than Smucker's real peanut butter, okay? So I'm standing there and he comes right down. I'm like, okay, this is it. So Tori goes, hi there. <laughs> How are you? And cute as a bug, cute as a bug, right? And he's like, well, hi. And I'm like, hi, how are you? I said, do you live around here? He's like, yeah, um, well, a little ways away. I said, oh, excellent. I said, so, so um, I've seen you walk through here a little bit. I said, what's going on in your life and everything? I said, I'm looking for peanut butter. Can you help me find it? Like, I couldn't find it. And, and he's like, oh, no, it's right here. And I said, oh, and how long have you lived here? And this? So we just struck up a conversation and this, this. And I said, um, I said uh, it's great that we ran into you, and Tori is just yak, yak, yakking with them and telling them about her life and what she's doing and our dogs and this, this, and he's just like, oh, everything. And I said, I just love how God just has these, like, godsidences for us, and we just run into each other. I said, I'm so glad to meet you. I said, I'm Margo, and this is Tori and Becca. He goes, I'm Bill. I said, hey, Bill, it's great to meet you. And I said, I, I, I just have been compelled to be able to give this to you, and so I just put it in his pocket, and I said, you know why? Only because... I want to tell you, Jesus loves you to pieces. I said, he so loves you. And he starts tearing up, misty-eyed. He goes, thanks. Thanks. I said, maybe we'll see each other again. That'd be really neat, wouldn't it? I said, where do you live? He said, well, I live right down here in P in a, in a, like a senior living apartment uh, for low income. I said, okay. So I got in touch with a fireman I knew, and I said, where is that place? I said, we got to find that place. He goes, oh, I know exactly where it is. It has 12 apartments in it. And, uh, and I said, okay, take me there. So our whole couples, I told this to our couples Bible study. I said, you guys, it was around Christmas. I said, God's given us an opportunity to be Jesus to this guy and to others. And so we went there, we met with the director. She's like, oh, we love this. He said, we, can we come in? Can we come in and just... Throw a birthday or throw a, a Christmas party and share about Jesus and, and make turkey and this. Oh, we love that. We've never had that. Nobody's ever done that for us. I said, Yeah, does Bill still live here? Oh, yeah, Bill lives here. I said, Make sure he comes. Okay, I will. So we get it all together. We, you know, we get all the turkey and the trimmings and everything. And, and about, I'd say about six of us uh, families and all the kids, uh, I gave, they all came. They all came, they were just a big Christmas tree, and, they were, and we gave them each a no-sew fleece blanket that we had made, a no-sew fleece blanket. And we gave it and we said, um, we said, you know, we love them and, and Jesus loves them and this, this. And so, and so they just sat there. The kids did the little worship stuff. It was real fun. You know, they sang all kinds of um, Christmas songs. And I'm like, where's Bill? Where's Bill? Well, he didn't come out. I said, where does he live? He lives right down here. Tori's like, come on, Mom. I'm like, all right. <laughs> who can, you know, a little tiny peanut, who can resist? I said, come on. So we all went down there and knocked on the door. Yeah? I said, Bill. Yeah? I said, it's Margo from the pig. <laughs> I said, come on. And Tori, Tori's like, Bill, we know you're in there. Come on, let us in. <laughs> He's like, all right. He comes to the door, and he is more disheveled than I've seen him, even at the pig. And I said, Bill, we want you to come out. We want to share with you. We have all kinds of turkey. We have stuff and we have everything. You had to come out. Just as we were sharing with him, his daughter shows up. And his daughter goes, Bill, these people are loving it. They got an incredible party out here. Come on, let's go. And he said, okay. Okay, I'll go with you. And so he comes out. And we pour on him. We pour love on him. We, you know, we ate till our heart's content. Every single one of those people came up to us and said, what did you do that for? You don't even know us. Most of our family don't even come by anymore. I said, because Jesus loves you. And he wants you to know that. And he came as a baby so he could die for you. So you could live abundant life right now. Bill started weeping. I said, you can have that eternal life like right now and live with him forever. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. 
So I led him in a prayer. I led all of them in a prayer. I said, just climb into this prayer. Twelve people lived there. All twelve people came. Half of them came to know Jesus Christ that day. That isn't about me. That isn't about our couple study. It's about his sheep following heart, who has his character, his deeper convictions, his confidence, and his compassion. Bill from the pig moved to heaven. I just found out that a year ago from the same fireman. What a joy. What a joy to be Jesus to those people. Those small sacrifices make huge impressions. Huge impressions. It just screams for a response of some kind. They have to respond. When we sacrifice for the good of others, it's almost, it almost always gives us an opportunity to share Jesus with them. The Good Shepherd. And what happens is, is then he's working in his loving kindness and he's drawing them to himself because I'm a good, good shepherd. Let me close with this story. My sister Mirani, that you saw that picture, for years she has called me her bell sheep. B-E-L-L. -L, her bell sheep. So I'm going to close with this as you look at that picture. There was once a good, wise, and loving shepherd who bought a foolish and bedraggled little sheep to save her from the slaughterhouse her wicked former owner intended for her. Finding her in the dangerous woods, he drew her to himself, quickly winning her love and obedience by his tender care. After a while, though, she grew tired of simply following the shepherd and enjoying his presence and began to wander about, either in search of imperiled sheep who have gotten lost or hurt or just foolishly frolicking frolicking around, not even aware of all the dangers around her. Unfortunately, she often got lost as well. More than once, she was wounded by wolves or bears, but without fail, the shepherd rescued her and brought her back. But the wayward little lamb grieved him. His desire for her was to have her follow closely by his side. Since she had never taken the time to truly know the good shepherd, she remained ignorant of the shepherd's sorrow until he finally stopped her wandering by picking her up in his arms and breaking her legs. Bleating, B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G, bleating in pain and astonishment, she kicked and bit and she refused his kind overtures of comfort. Eventually, however, she grew too exhausted from the struggle to fight anymore. In her silent, helpless weariness, he bound up her wounds, and he cradled her next to his chest, carrying her in his arms until her legs were healed and she could walk again. And as she recovered, she learned to know the shepherd's heartbeat. She grew to love the mere pleasure of his nearness. She would hear his gentle. Her greatest joy, her greatest joy, became simply of that of belonging to him. She was his sheep. And when her leg healed, and the shepherd set her down again to walk, she no longer desired to wander from his side. And in recognition of the change, and in reminder of brokenness, the shepherd placed a bell around her neck. See, it's the way that we follow closely by him. And the bell continually rang, testifying to the good shepherd. So the shepherd used her to accomplish his work without her ever leaving his side. 
Did you hear that? The shepherd used her to accomplish his work without ever leaving his side. While she never wanted to repeat that brokenness anymore, she would have never traded the lessons that she learned through it. She finally discovered her shepherd was all she needed, and he was all she had. And the pain of the process paled in the beauty of his tender care. Her character had changed. Her convictions were deeper. Her confidence was built. And her compassion was overflowing onto the other sheep around her. Don't you want to be a bell sheep? Don't you want to be a bell sheep? You have an opportunity to be his sheep. The sheep that other sheep will follow right to the shepherd's son. The bell sheep is always right at his feet. No lingering, no wandering, no straying, just as content to be right next to the good shepherd because she knows that he will take care of every single need that she has. He will lead you out of pasture and it will be safe in pasture and out of pasture. You have abundant life to the full. And the only way, the only way to absolutely experience lasting joy and contentment is through this intimate relationship with the good shepherd. Being his sheep is a very good thing. Being a bell sheep is even better is even better. My sheep hear my voice. And they know them. And they follow me. And Steph comes up and plays piano and leads us. It's your turn to decide if you want to be a bell sheep. It's your turn. And so what I want you to do is I want you to come and receive a bell that we have for you. You can uh, come up to the sides, and the MFM shepherds will excuse you per row. And if you want to commit to be not only his sheep, but I want to be right there, so other sheep follow me right next to the good shepherd. We have a bell for you to take home to remind you that you're a bell sheep. Once you've received your bell, I want you to go right back to your seat all silently, because we're going to close then with reckless love. Thank you.